Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. Not JavaScript. This isn't Star Wars. JavaScript of the V. Uh, my name is Steve Edwards. I am the host with the most today. With me on the panel, we have Dan Shapiro. Hey, hey, coming from the lockdown of Tel Aviv uh, inside the lockdown Israel. AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from the sunny woodlands of Virginia with wood chips and places I didn't even know I had. <laughs> and with us today, our special guest is Murad Stern. How are you doing, Murad? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Good. It's our pleasure to have you. When it comes to test maintenance, the biggest complaint that teams have are flaky tests. Tyco is a Node.js library built to test modern web applications. It creates highly readable and maintainable JavaScript tests. Its simple API, smart selectors, and implicit weights all work together toward a single goal, fixing the underlying problem behind flaky tests to make browser automation reliable. Tyco is open source and free to use. Head to tyco.dev and get started. That's T-A-I-K-O dot dev. So to start out, why don't you give us a little uh, introduction, just a brief bit about yourself, what you do, why you're famous, and uh, we'll go from there. <laughs> okay, I'm not fam famous. I'm a father of four, and it's uh, crazier in, in all the time, but now in the lockdown, because of the coronavirus, it's even more crazier. Uh, it's crazier. I'm uh, the Global Dev Communities Manager at Wix.com. I love blogging. Uh, I love to take part in the communities, and I really love everything related to branding, especially uh, personal branding. Which is exactly what we're going to talk about today. So yes. um, why don't we dive right into the topic, and I guess give us a description of what you mean by the term personal branding. Okay, so basically I think that personal branding, the same as branding, it's what comes up on your mind when you actually think about someone or some company, what's the first thing that you associate with it? Sometimes um, when, when I speak with people about that uh, subject, we came into a conclusion that our mind is like working with Google search engine. You put in a term, a name or a company or whatever you want, and there's like a, a few results. And when you give the, the name, for example, Dan Shapiro, uh, it's, I, I hope it's okay to take you in, uh, oh, in an example, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so what pops into my mind is performance. Now, Dan is a lot more than just someone who takes part in the performance world, very high-skilled developers. He's much more than that. But the things that Dan is doing online, offline, and we can take it because it's, it's super interesting to talk about it. But the things he do actually brings him closer and closer to the term performance. So the same goes with, with huge companies and the same goes with personal uh, people. Now, when you're talking about personal branding and the people that we want to talk about who this is relevant to, we're not talking about everybody, Joe Blow off the street, are we? Or are you thinking more of people in the tech, specifically in the technological world or maybe the sports world who are trying to sell things? What's, uh, what subset of people do you think this personal branding is important for? Yes. Yeah, so actually, I think it's important to everyone. Everyone can benefit from putting attention into their personal brand and doing stuff 
and, and we'll talk about what stuff is, but doing more to promote their name and to get it closer to the terms, the professional terms that they want to be associated with. In my daily work, I work closely with developers. So I can, or maybe I know more about doing those stuff and actually having your name build up in the developers community. What's related to open source uh, contribution, meetups, events, podcasting, just as you do. I do get the opportunity when I'm asked to, to speak with small business owners. And you see that personal branding is also very valid to them. But in different, in different worlds, in, in the world of customers and products and things like that, when you talk about the world of technology, from JavaScript to Scala to front-end and, and, and mobile and all things technology, it's, it's a bit different. I think that it's different with platforms. For example, we see that Twitter is super important for developer. Twitter is the place today when you, for example, compare it with Facebook, you see that Twitter is the place where developers talk within themselves and uh, brings up all kinds of technology issues and engineering insights on that platform. So there are all kinds of differences. And actually, this is the place that I love because I love technology. A word about myself, I'm not a developer. I learned to develop, but I wouldn't hire me as a developer. But because I learned development myself, I do know the terms. So I know to talk with developers and actually bringing or crossing the, the gap between branding and maybe say a bit of marketing themselves and their role, their world of engineering. So when we're talking about brands and personal branding, what examples come to your mind of good brands or examples where branding has really worked well, whether maybe it's large or, or small? Well, um, when we talk about brands, and here's another important issue about effort, because I think that many listeners will say, I don't care about my personal branding. I have skills that I are very high demand in the industry, and I'm all good, and I don't need that. But if you take into account the amount of effort, time-consuming, and money spent of huge brands like Apple, Nike, or Coca-Cola, you'll see that they, they, they never stop. They never stop promoting themselves and, and investing in their brand. And if you can ask me, I'll say, I'll never forget the Apple brand, whatever. I, I never forget it. I use their product. I, I like the, the, the brand. I'll never forget it. But it doesn't matter. They keep on spending so much effort on branding. So you must stop and ask yourself if those huge brands are not stopping investing in it, what us, the, the, the people, are, are not getting. And I think that the same as big brands, small brands or personal brands are super important because at the end, I think we have some kind of value in the industry. 
we can be super good at what we're doing and and bring value but i think that at the end you need people to know about it you need more people to know about it and if i think about all kinds of examples so you can see um people like dan avramov for example and i like bringing this example to my um uh, peers and to developers that i work with because dan avramov if I'm not mistaken, today has something like 240,000 followers on Twitter. And things that he says, for example, are making a lot of noise and people respond and follow him for a reason. But he never, you know, he, he wasn't born Dan Abramov and got that Twitter account and all his assets that... Oh, he Make was born, him. he was, if I can interject, <laughs> he was born Dan Abramov. Yes, he yes, wasn't, he, was he wasn't Abramov. born... At Dan Abramov at, uh, at Twitter. That, that's for sure. True, true. Uh, so so it, it's a journey and it takes time. He's a good example of the things that he's doing and how he's building, building it. I do think that, you know what? I do have an example that will also illustrate an obstacle yeah, that I see. If I Sorry? can interject, before you give that example, uh, I... I really I, what you're saying really resonates with me because uh, as we you know, as we all know this is being recorded uh, in in the beginning of April and uh, this is a very problematic time all around the world with the whole coronavirus thing mm-hmm. and I keep seeing on on Twitter people who I never expected to see in this kind of a position tweeting out that they they've lost their job and uh, are looking for for employment. It's uh, certainly not an easy period for anybody, but uh, yeah, having to face unemployment on top of everything else is is certainly a, a big deal. And undoubtedly, when you have a more significant brand, personal brand, it becomes much easier for you to be able to to land your your next position yeah. or or get hired again. And and like you said, just the fact that you know that you are good at what you do uh, might have been sufficient, let's, let's say, uh, even two or three months ago. But all of a sudden today, uh, it may not be sufficient because, um, you know, if, if, you, if nobody outside your company knows who you are, what you can do, uh, what you're capable of, then it's going to be much more difficult for you to find your next your next job your next position. Uh, on the other hand, if you can uh, tweet out that uh, that you know you're looking for a job, and you, a lot of people know you and will retweet your tweet, and uh, people are out there will say, "Oh, I heard about this guy. He's really good. Uh, you should hire him." And and, uh, and so there are positions out there, but they're just more difficult to get to. So I, I think we're definitely now experiencing the importance of having this uh, recognizable, uh, recognizable brand and a good brand associated with yourself. Actually, this is a great comment. And I do want to elaborate with two things that I come, come across in my life. One was when I worked in a, in a company, not, not the company that I work today, and there was a period where they started firing people globally. One of the things that people started doing was to address me, come to me, and 
asked me to sit with them and work on their LinkedIn account, especially, but on their, you know, other digital assets and writing and so on. And I remember that I was so frustrated saying them, look, I'll help you whatever you need. But I was so frustrated because the time to start working on those things is not in emergency, emergency time. Not once you need to land a job, you start working on those stuff. That's, it's, it, it's never too late, right? But that's not the time. It should come when you're, when you're doing okay. And it should come when you enjoy that, enjoy the journey, enjoy sharing your stuff. And we will talk about it too. But this is one thing that I wanted to share. And another one that when you talked about being more valuable as someone who is potentially can, can join your company, that's one. Another, th- another side of personal branding, which I saw lately, was that the things you do outside, the things you share externally, the brand that you build for yourself can also raise your value within the company. We have a developer that was, um, he, he has his own open source project and he was mentioned on JS Weekly twice. By the way, Dan Shapir was mentioned on uh, JS Weekly also, but it's not Dan Shapir. Uh, and you're going to make me blush very significantly before this is over. Let's, let's, take a, let's use examples of other people. No, no, it, it's, I said it's, it's someone else. You, also were, you, you were also mentioned on that newsletter, but, but I'm referring to someone else. And he told me that one of his team members wasn't aware of the things that he's doing on the community of open source and co- contributing. And then he read his name. He saw his name of his team member on JS Weekly, and he was astonished. He was amazed to see his name, and he, he said, wow, I can't believe you're, you're being mentioned here. So what happened is inside his team, he was now considered to be a star because he was mentioned. So you see that it's two sides. It has the external side, yes. People know you outside your company. It might help you in the future. It might not. But it's also bring more weight to your presence within the company you're already in, which is cool, super cool. I think we've done a pretty good job of establishing what personal branding is and why you would want to do it. So let's move on to the how. So what, uh, what are the platforms or, or tools that uh, in our uh, environment, our world as software developers are best for building this brand? I'll start with the, with the beginning. We, the, you know, there's the Nike's motto, just do it. I'll start with something else, just scheduling it. I see because developers are super busy. We always have things to do. But one thing that I've noticed is that we're, we're like really working on our calendar and really, really following our calendar. So if we just schedule one hour, 45 minutes, at the beginning, just one, once a, month, a week, that can be a good starting point in just having the time to sit down and start doing. Now, now here's the doing and the platforms and everything that 
should be taken into account. One is the mapping. What is your territory? Are you front-end developer, back-end developer? And within that, what are the terms that you are, or the, the technological term that you want to be associated with? What are the things that you like to do? What are the things that naturally, without anybody you know, uh, making you, you go out and read. You can see the things that you read, again, without anyone making you do that. And you can assemble the things or the territory that you want to be part of and make your voice be heard. So as, as said, mapping, what do or what's my territory? And if you do a good job at that mapping, you also map people who are considered to be thought leaders. Who are the thought leaders in that territory, in your industry? And you can start following them. What do they do? Are they writing? Are they podcasting? You, you can learn so much by just observing what others are doing that you'll be uh, amazed to how quickly you can learn. And it's not rocket science, okay? It's not rocket science. It's a lot of attention. So, so looking at people who are already doing it, and here's another point that are, it's super important. It's a journey. It's like going to the gym. It's not one-time thing, and there you go. It's rolling by itself. No, it's always about doing and it's also about really giving a value. And the more you accurate with your mapping, the more accurate value that you can bring. And things that I find valuable to me as someone who is working on personal branding and marketing and so on in the high-tech uh, industry might not be valuable to someone else in a different industry. So the more you accurate with the mapping, the more accurate uh, value that you can bring to the table. Now, bringing that value is based on your actually knowledge, the things you know to do or learned or experienced. I think that and if we start looking at platforms, I'll take a step back and say, let's talk about content. At the end, platform is, is a platform. It's the place where content can, can come to life. Content, content, content. It's always about the content. Content is actually the way to take your insights, the, the value that you can bring to the industry, the things that you know, learn, and so on, and explain them. It can be a blog post. It can be a podcast. It can be YouTube. It can be an open source project. It can be a newsletter. It can be everything. Um, and it can be tweeted. And it can be shared on LinkedIn, but it's, it's about the content. It's about good content. And, you know, this is a very interesting uh, point about content and doing for developers. One, the web is sometimes, sadly, full of really bad things. And when developers... No, no. <laughs> yes, yes, sadly it is. But when developers step, step up, and take an active part in the discussion online and share professional stuff, we actually take the, the and, and I'm saying it, it sounds big, right? But we as a, a, a humanity take a step forward. That's good stuff. 
This is the, the good stuff that we need. So this is point one. Point two that I keep hearing when I work with developers is everybody knows what I know. That's like the most or the biggest obstacle that people face. Everybody knows what I know. And it's, it's wrong. Absolutely. Developers came and, and today are, are being part of this company, that company, this startup, whatever startup, whatever they do, they know something that most of the, 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 the population doesn't know. You have valid, valuable knowledge and you should express it and not stop yourself with everybody knows what I know. No, that's not true. So um, I, I want to bring up an example I think everybody, or an experience I think everybody here has had. So you go to learn how to do something, and there's a vital piece of information that's missing. Like, for, for example, you use Node for the first time, and you find all these things about uh, repositories for Node, but you can't find any way to how to install Node on Linux. Uh, let's say that that were the case. Something like that, where like there's something, and like all the pieces are there, Except for the thing that if you're reading the document, everybody just assumes you must know that. And you go searching for it and you don't know what to search for. You're obviously missing something. And then when you finally figure it out, it's something so simple. It was like you needed to copy and paste two lines. And so then you don't document it either, you know? But the, the person who finally does, the person who finally says, okay, I'm going to take these two steps from this website and these three steps from this website, and I'm going to create my own blog post that has all five steps in the same place. Like, that becomes a winner. You yeah, I can give me. a classic example of that, AJ. When I was, you know, I first started out uh, in open source development working on Drupal at one of the agencies I used to work with. This was about 10 years ago. One of my big things was Apache Solar because uh, integration with Apache Solar search engine uh, w was coming really popular at the time. Getting it installed and synced up was really difficult, especially if you wanted a multi-index setup. So I took this blog I uh, pieced everything together from like three or four different blog posts. I finally got it all put together. So I wrote on our company's website, I wrote one blog post that said, okay, and I think it's still out there. Here's how you install and get a multi-index solar setup with Drupal 7. And I put it out there. And it was one of those things, and I know you've mentioned this before, EAJ, too, where I would go back to that myself, you yep. know, because, you know, I'd Google it. Oh, here's my own post on how to do this because it's the way I think. Well, a couple months later, I was in uh, chatting with one of our other developers who looked at the website statistics and our owner. And the other guy mentioned, by the way, he says, far and away, our most popular post has been this one on Drupal and Apache Solar. Because it was a how-to. I put everything together in one place where you could follow step-by-step. Step, and uh, it just made it really popular because it helped other people. Even though the pieces were out there, they hadn't been put together in a good way. So, yeah. There, there's three pieces of content I've had like that. There's a Stack Overflow post on how to resolve get merge conflicts. And I think that's still popular today. For a couple of years, I had the number one hit on how to install Ruby on Ubuntu with RVM. And then there was also, for a couple of years, I had the number one hit for how to publish a package to NPM. And these are all things that people had been doing for years, but it's just that scenario of like, you had to go to two different blog posts to get the information. Anybody, anybody who's going to more than one blog post to get information, if you create a post that puts that information in one post, you've got 
you know, you really do have actual real potential to be the number one hit on Google for that one thing. If I can add to that, and, and it's a point that kind of addresses the, the two points that Murad brought up, because Murad was talking about the fact that A, you want to be consistent, and that B, you want to put stuff out there, even if you think that other people know it. And I think the way that you can hit both these uh, nails on the head is basically to blog your journey. I know that a lot of people actually do that, that they, whenever they, they learn new stuff, one of the, the, their techniques to actually learning it is to kind of try to explain it into a blog post and also kind of document their journey. And like you said, even they themselves can come back together for the, to that and, and use it as a resource for themselves, certainly for others. And that simultaneously solves both problems because uh, if you you know, you become consistent because you document what you do into a blog post and you put out their valuable content because there, you know, there will always be people behind you in the journey. So wherever you are, there are people who've, who are on their way to that point and, and you'll just make life easier for them. Now, I wish I personally was much more consistent in, in applying this advice, but I know from people who are really successful bloggers that this technique has worked really, really well for them. The simplest way to do it, because uh, there's the whole yak shaving, like, well, I want to do this, but to do that, I need to do this. To do that, I need to do this. It's not good for branding necessarily, but you can use GitHub Gists. And when you do that, all the branding goes to GitHub. But GitHub Gists is a good way to do it. And at least you get your username in there. And then, you know, later it's pretty easy to take a GitHub Gist that's just a markdown file and, you know, put it into a blog. And you could host that on GitHub Pages and you could use a CNAME record pointed at GitHub Pages to get your own branding. So instead of, you know, github.com, it would actually show mycoolusername.com. Yeah, but even if that doesn't happen, I know that a lot of potential employers look at GitHub activity uh, as a means to to vet possible employees. So, so even if you just get all that activity and views and stars on GitHub, even if it's not like your name doesn't become famous, employers will still look at that and take that into account. So, in effect, um, you are building your brand, even if you know, you're not stopped in the street because people don't recognize you. I, I do want to say something about, about what just said. It's not about being famous. It's more about the journey. It's, it's about the passion to share things that you, you learned. And it's, it's to be part of the, the community. Being famous, you might get that, but it's not, it shouldn't be the result uh, or, or it shouldn't be the, the goal. Because you need to enjoy it and being famous is something that takes a lot of time and never forget that you're like famous in a very specific area. Yeah, but you want you, you know, want that impression. You want people to see your name or in your profile picture so that when they're like, oh yeah, I remember reading your article about this thing in JavaScript. I remember yes. reading your article, you know, it's the impressions over time. It's about really helping others and really bringing value to the table. And one of the results is, yes, they will maybe remember you or, or stuff like that because you never know who reads your stuff. I'll give you an example. When I was four years uh, back, younger, um, I, I found a, a data security flaw in um, Israeli Ravkav. Ravkav is a ticket that you go on train and buses with it. 
And I found that if you do some things with it, you can find the owner's ID, six latest trips that he or she done, where he or she lives, and, and stuff like that. And I was in a set of mind of if I managed to do that and get that information using this and that, everybody could do that. But even so, I, I was passionate enough to sit down and write about this experience with this Ravkav, this ticket. And from here and there, two days after that, I was approached by one of our leading news sites, and they asked to actually take that piece and publish it on their site, the news site. And two days after that, the government has actually assembled an emergency discussion about that ticket, just because I documented what I did and what the information I was able to take out and, and shouldn't. So you never know who see what you what, what what the things that you publish up there. You never know. And sometimes you manage to to create an impact. And it's far better than being famous or whatever, because you actually made something happen for the best, for the good. So I think maybe that should be some kind of, of a goal, making an impact because you actually change something that otherwise uh, you thought unreachable. That's another angle to all kinds of doing online stuff and, and working on your personal brand. And another angle that um, I think we should cover is that taking an active part in your brand, in building your brand and your voice and being a prominent voice actually works on your soft skill. Every developer, good developers, got really good hard skills. They know how to code. They know to build apps and so on. But soft skills, the way that you can communicate your ideas, the way that you can express the things you want to express, convincing, leading, are stuff that are super important, super important. And by sitting down, and actually writing an article, for example, you actually work and craft your writing skills. Maybe at the beginning, it's a bit hard, but the more you practice, the more you publish, the more you, you read other stuff, you actually work on your soft skills. And again, if we talk about your personal value, what you bring to the table, you actually bring more value to to your organization. Another great soft skills that you can think about is the way to communicate with people and actually expand your networking. The way that you can reach out and make partnerships and do things together with different organizations and maybe government offices and whatever. The word is huge. The more you practice, the more your name is well, uh, more familiar with what you do and more people trust you. And this is another angle when, when someone is being consistent and keep on bringing value to the discussion, whatever the industry, the, the topics and so on, uh, he's being more trusted. And when you bring all this into account, you can make more impact. You actually being more 
valuable to the place you're part of. In JavaScript, there's always something new to learn. Frameworks, technologies, tools, updates. It's a lot of work to stay up on JavaScript. Educative.io helps with that. Their platform is made from the ground up with software engineers in mind. Instead of making you scrub back and forth through videos and spend hours on setup, their courses are text-based and feature live coding environments so you can skim back and forth like a book and practice in-browser as you learn. One course that I recommend if you've been laid off during the coronavirus scare is the JavaScript Interview Handbook. These courses cover topics from JavaScript to machine learning, Kubernetes, and much more. And each course has a free preview so you can poke around free of charge. On top of that, you can visit educative.io slash jabber to get 10% off any course or subscription. Check it out today. Going back to what we were talking about, famous, I think the good example that comes to mind is you want to be famous, as you were saying, Murad, about doing something and providing information, providing helpful things as compared to being famous like the Kardashians. That's the first sure. thing that comes to mind. You know, they're sure. famous for, for what? For being famous. I mean, yeah, they're pretty, but they're just famous for being famous as compared to your example, Murata, Dan Abramov, or what comes to mind for me is a Eric Hanshed, a Wes Boss, a Scott Talinsky, people who put out stuff that's informational and helps people do their jobs. Yeah. So... Yeah. But to touch on that, it can be intimidating, you know, especially when somebody starting out is saying like, what, what is the likelihood of me becoming another uh, West Boss or, or another Dan Abramov or whatever? And first of all, of like Murad said at the beginning, they didn't start out that way. They, they got to that point by, by working hard and putting out a lot of useful content. But the other point is that you don't necessarily need to get that far. What I like to think about is the fact that, you know, in the past, when I'm thinking about uh, uh, my parents' generation, uh, they spent their entire career often within a single organization. It, it, you know, they, they, they started working there, they worked there all the way till retirement, and that was that. And, and these days, people switch jobs every three years, two years, four years, so and and when you're switching job you keep on selling yourself again and again and if you've got a good brand going for you better than the average it doesn't have to be a west boss level brand it just needs to be better than the average then effectively you've done marketing for yourself so you're not just coming in as a salesperson trying to sell some a product that nobody's seen before because they you know you're meeting them and they've not, never heard of you before that meeting now you've got you've done some marketing in advance of the selling process and in the same way that this works for companies and for products it works for your benefit and even having a little bit of marketing goes a long way than having no marketing at all okay so i think let's go back down the route we started to go a little while ago and we got Back off. Do we? Well, first of all, let me put it this way, Murad. Is there anything we want to cover as part of the why and what you want to share and the benefits of it? Have we covered everything there? I think we did. Okay. So let's did. talk. Let's get back to how. So you've mentioned before, you know, the popular ones, I think the obvious ones are blogs, Twitter, maybe YouTube videos. You want to talk about those in a little any more detail? Uh, sure. Particular sure. methods for utilizing those platforms? Okay, sure. So at the beginning, let's split, let's split it into two, the online and the offline. Basically, it's easier to start with the online, but we shouldn't ignore the offline, and I'll talk about it in a second. Regarding online, um, and you can start with the 
mindset. Whatever I learn, if it's valuable enough, let's share it. One of the great stuff about being part of the high-tech industry is that we must learn as a daily habit. It's, it, we, we, every day we must learn something. We read technical blogs. We go and, and actually um, get updates about all kinds of development um, issues and bugs and updates that are going on. We need to keep ourselves really up to date, learning, all day learning. And if you just put yourself in a mindset of learning and actually feeling that you learn, being present as you learn and, and understanding that what you do now when you sit down and read your Twitter feed, when you read this article, is that you are learning, you can easily and very fast create mini content. What my two cents about that? I just read this. Here's my two cents. That can be a tweet. That can be a very short blog post. But I'm taking it things that is happening anyway, like reading something professional and actually chewing it and, and giving it back with my point of view. So this is one thing that we should start with. I really recommend any developer to check and, you know, like, cleaning and uh, removing dust from his or her LinkedIn account and Twitter account. Because at the end, when someone is searching your name, he or she will find your digital assets. So whatever is out there, make sure that it's look good. It shouldn't, you know, it might be not super active or maybe not active, but it looks okay and reflect what you do. So this is another thing that you should take into account. And then you can take the step deeper. You can say, okay, after mapping, and we talked about mapping, and here's my territory. This is the things that I want to talk about. Here's the thought leaders that I should follow and see what they these guys are doing. Um, now I really want to take a step deeper and start creating content that reflect my understanding in that in that industry. So then you can consider maybe open up a blog or maybe just start, you know, tweeting more often, but make sure that your tweets are being more and more about those topics. You might want to consider, I don't know, podcasting. And, and sometimes podcasting and writing a blog post are making people frightened because it looks so time-consuming and things that only the greatest know how to do, but that, that's not true. You need to just sit down and, and do that and be uh, feel really comfortable with both the topics that you want to talk about and the platform that you want to use. If it's writing or talking about it or making videos or just you know contributing code into GitHub and stuff like that. This is the online. This is everything that you can do right now. But in order to do, you know, like uh, 360 degrees of building your brand and making uh, a prominent voice in the industry, you should also consider doing things offline. For example, meetups. Working on 45 one-hour talk 
that you can deliver in front of an audience when it's allowed. Now we're in a period of time that, you know, because of the um, coronavirus, we can't do that, but we can do online meetups. Again, it's a talk. It's a talk by you about the subject that you're passionate about and you want to share your insights with others. And that's, that's great because you actually create content. The content is your insights, is your talk. It's also your PowerPoint or whatever app that you use, but then you can share it online on SlideShare and stuff like that. So you have a talk. And I don't know how many meetups that I know uh, are also doing video of the talks. So when you go up on stage, and many people don't like to do that. Again, it's, it's more about the soft skills and the courage to go up and say, here's what I know, and I can share that with you. And many people are finding to do that and talk, you know, public speaking. But taking that step and going up on stage and making, you know, or working on the, the, the skills of public speaking actually empowers you a lot. So offline and online are basically working together. And, you know, I, I can see many meetups where someone is going up on stage and then people in the audience are tweeting about him or her and about the things they, they talk about. And there you can see how the offline and actual event is being discussed online. And if the Twitter account of the presenter is strong enough and people are aware of it, so they tag him or her. So the discussion can go and, and get stronger online and actually close that circle and making it more empowered. So if we talk about starting, I would start with scheduling time because we're super busy and time is, is something that we miss. So scheduling 45 minutes, one hour, maybe a week at the beginning at least, then start mapping what I want to talk about, who are the thought leaders in my industry. Um, I would even add what are the special dates in my industry, all kinds of software that were released in that date. So I can talk about it when it's relevant. And events, of course, if there are global events that are related to my industry, you want to be part of it. But begin with mapping because then you know where you're going and where, what are the stakeholders that you should engage with. And then it's actually sitting and, and understanding how you want to express your ideas, how do you want to engage with your audience and how do you want and where you want to build your audience and understand that whatever you choose, you are not going to break the internet at the beginning because it's, it's a journey. And at the beginning, you might feel that you talk to a wall and no one answers you and no one cares about what you do, but that's not true because everything you do has some kind of impact and you never know who looks and reads the stuff you do. And step-by-step, step, you build your audience. You build up the people, similar mind like you, that at the end, you can give value and you can get value from, from your activities. And you know what? You can even enjoy it because one of the things that when I talk with developers that comes up is that, you know, you can sit down on your desk 
and code all day long and do a great job. That's for sure. But having or, or taking an active part in the community sometimes bring up all kinds of invitation of taking part in, I don't know, some conference abroad where they want you to talk. So you fly there and you actually go up on stage and you present your company. That's a huge win for your company, not just for you. And it actually brings spice to your you know, career, to your daily coding routine. Um, so it's actually another cool stuff as not just, you know, as, as I, I pointed, the famous, which I'm against, it's also another great aspect of these activities. One thing about content that I want to bring up that I don't think has been mentioned, and I've seen it come up uh, recently as being fairly prevalent, is owning your content. The particular use case that comes to mind is blogging on something like Medium. So I know when Medium first came out, it was really popular and everybody's saying, blog on Medium, blog on Medium, your content's that much more visible, and so on and so forth. So then Medium starts adding uh, requirements. You know, They want you to sign up for a membership to be able to read this. And, and there's various limitations. So all of a sudden, I started seeing a lot more people saying, hmm, maybe we shouldn't be blogging on Medium. Maybe you should own your own content, put it on your own blog that you have hosted, whether it's, you know, something, a static site generator on GitHub pages or, you know, whatever the case may be. And um, Medium started, I don't know if they're still doing this, but they were at least testing this where super popular people on Medium that posted content, they got lots of views, they made paid content. So yeah. it'd be, they'd show you the first paragraph and be like, okay, you've, wa- you've, li- you've watched five of five popular exactly. yes. views this month. Now you need to subscribe to view more. Right. It's, it's like you. It's a company that is taking the content you produce for free and monetizing it. Exactly. So I think that's pretty important too. I know uh, one platform that I've seen used and I've heard about it and I've started using myself is Dev.2, uh, Dev.to. And one of the cool things, um, I just started blogging there. I put a, a blog post on there, I think last week or something like that, is they allow you to say, okay, this is a canonical link for my blog post and you can point it to your own platform. So I'm just curious to see, Murad, what your experiences or thoughts on, on content ownership? Well, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to dip into um, this platform or another platform because I think that platforms go up and down um, and there's trends in that and this. I, I think that what, whatever you do, and, and again, without, you know, Talking legally, the things that you publish are mostly are your content. This is something that you write. And again, I'm not super familiar with the things you said about Medium, if it's theirs or yours. And I wouldn't, you know what? I wouldn't even think about it at the beginning of my journey. I would just start doing and start writing and start publishing. I think it's, I hope it's answered the question. I I have to agree with Murad on this. I think that obviously if you find yourself to be a regular blogger and you blog day in, day out, and you're starting to get the following, then then it might be definitely worthwhile to like... uh, Think about where you want your content to reside and uh, and stuff like that. But at the very beginning, I think it's more important than anything else is just to get your content out there 
And if that literally means just finding the easiest platform to use for you, then just go for it. Anything is better than just procrastinating. Yeah, and, and you know what? There's even one thing that no one can take from you, and that's the skills that you develop during the process. I can tell you um, on my free time, when I have some, I like uh, managing my Telegram channel. I have a channel on Telegram. It almost had uh, 2,000 subscribers. And I usually update there on all kinds of uh, technology news and stuff like that. Actually, it's, it's a very interesting story of how I built it. It was built because a visit of GitHub in Israel, but it's a different story. Anyway, in order to promote my channel, I wanted to create video that actually sum, sums up the latest updates that I've published. And for me, video editing was magic. I looked at YouTube and I saw videos and it was like black box. I, I couldn't understand of how people provide this amazing stuff. The sounds effect and the transitions and the lightning and everything. I, I was amazed and I, it was a magic to me and something that I really wanted to crack down. So I sat down and learned video editing. Super not related to what I do on my daily job. But I sat down and learned it. It's, it's not soft skills. It's just knowledge. But it made me uh, think in another way of how presenting my ideas, summarize things that I did and so on, and marketing my Telegram channel. It was, you know, a step that I took, pure learning. And when I look at it today, when I know video editing and the magic is no magic at all, I see through. And when I do my job, my daily job, and I have my video person who is responsible to all kinds of content video that we have and so on, I know how to talk with him. I know what to demand from him. I know what he's doing, and then I can really, you know, communicate and get a better product and content for my daily job and what I do. So it's so great to take an active step and an active point of view and understanding of cracking and, and learning whatever you can and writing down, you know, just sit down and, and look at well-known blog posts and Ask yourself, wow, how he or she did that. So many shares, so many comments. I can never do that. That's crazy, but it's not. It's just sitting down and learning and breaking the magic until you own it. And from soft skill to hard skills, we always on the learning path. The more we know, the more we, I think, uh, can bring to the table and, and have more value and so on. My point is that. I wouldn't consider this is a content that is mine or not. Just sit down and start because the starting point is the, the, the point where great stuff can happen regarding the things that you know how to do and deal with. So we're getting close to the end of our time here. So before we move to picks, is there anything else uh, we're missing you want to cover real quick, Murad, or anybody else? You know what? I will just mention that one of the great stuff that I heard and it really sit down good with what we've talked about was when President Barack Obama, former president of the United States, Barack Obama, he said in one of his videos 
and promoting, I think it was um, Hour of the Code or Hour of Code. It was an initiative of um, teaching kids to code. And in that video, he was addressing kids and teenagers. And he, he asked them to be in the sixth set of mind of being active and not passive. He said, don't play, something like, don't play with the app, create the app. And I think that it's so deep. Uh, and when we talk, and if, if I try to sum up uh, everything we talked about, personal branding and being active and being a prominent voice in your industry, it's about state of mind of actually being active and creating and not just consuming content. That's, I think, uh, a point that I, I really like. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've got the link here. So we'll make sure and drop that into the uh, show notes so everybody can see that, uh, that video. Are you stuck at home climbing the walls when you should be hanging out with the community at the latest conference to get canceled? Are you wondering where to hear your JavaScript heroes like Amy Knight and Douglas Crockford and Chris Heilman? After the cancellations, I decided to put on a JavaScript conference for you online. I invited my favorite folks from around the web and got them to come speak at an online event just for you. Go to jsremoteconf.com and check out our speakers and schedule. The conference is on May 14th and 15th. Come join us at an online conference that we guarantee will keep you safe and keep you informed. jsremoteconf.com. So with that, we will move into picks. I will start off with Murad and Dan both being in, in Israel and it being the week of Passover, it sort of uh, reminded me of uh, one of my favorite videos. Uh, there's a very popular song when it came out, and it's still popular, by Bruno Mars called Uptown Funk. And there is a video by a group in, New, I believe they're in New York. They're a Jewish a cappella group. They're called 613. And they did a takeoff of Uptown Funk called Uptown Passover. And the production value is off the charts. It's really good. And the song is all about Passover and Jewish history and uh, the, how do you say it? Pesach? Pesach. Pesach. Okay. Um, anyway, I'll put the link. Uh, we'll drop the link in. But it's just a really great video, a lot of fun, fun to watch. And they do a really good job um, of taking off uh, from the original song. AJ, what do you got for picks? Oh, boy, do I got some goodies today. So... Ars Technica has a YouTube channel called War Stories, or maybe it's just a playlist on their main YouTube channel. And it is about the history of various PC and console games. In particular, I would like to highlight the, the history of Crash Bandicoot and mm. how it was basic. This was before Spyro. So Crash Bandicoot was the first game to go beyond the two megabyte limit because they implemented a paging system where as you went forward or backwards in a level, um, and, and the assets, they would duplicate the assets. So if you had like a pillar, they would put that asset as many copies as, of the, as they needed throughout the CD because with the CD, you basically had unlimited storage space. And I don't know, I shouldn't give the whole thing away. but Basically, Crash Bandicoot exists because they were able to get an under-the-table copy of the PlayStation like internal company manual, get a bootleg translation to English, and use an undocumented API to read the CD um, asynchronously instead of 
synchronously or something kind of sort of like that. Super fascinating. Absolutely loved it. And produced much earlier was the Gaming Historian's History of Spiral the Dragon, which goes into similar technical detail, maybe not quite as deeply technical as the Ars Technica series does. The Gaming Historian often talks more about culture and people. But anyway, I'd also pick the Spiral the Dragon history from Gaming Historian. And uh, while picking things that you can watch on YouTube, uh, we started publishing the Utah Node.js meetups a while back. Well, we started publishing them a long time ago, but we had a huge, huge gap where we weren't publishing them. And right before Corona struck us all, we had an excellent meetup and the talk was scaling Node.js at Plaid, where uh, Bill Rowens goes into how uh, he worked with the team to make basically a couple of one-line changes that saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars and hundreds of man hours in optimizing the, I think it was basically the CICD and a particular, it was like a, a logging or something like that. So all three technical picks and histories of how things got done. So I will go ahead and paste those in and I'll call that good for today. All righty. Dan, you're up next. Okay, so uh, two things that I wanted to mention. Uh, first, uh, interestingly, you know, we are, in, given all this whole corona thing, we are all locked in our houses and we can't get out and we supposedly should be really lonely and alone. And I find myself having constantly lots of um, uh, social interaction tabs open all the time. Like I've got uh, WhatsApp open and I've got Twitter and Slack and uh, the e and Gmail and people also even using Hangouts, even though I detest it, and even Skype once in a while. And it's getting to the point where it's starting to become slightly overwhelming. So I, I one of my picks is just to close down the tabs that, you know, to have fewer tabs open, having to do with uh, social interactions, so that you can uh, focus more on what it is that you you want to do. So that was one pick, and the other pick is we keep on uh, bringing up the topics of various fantasy books for some reason, especially me. Uh, I um, uh, the episode that just came out uh, today where I talk about uh, performance metrics ends with a really lengthy discussion that AJ and I had over The Way of Kings by, by Brendan Sanderson. So I decided to uh, post uh, another fantasy series, which I really, really like, and it's relatively recent. And it's the Gentleman Bastard series by uh, Scott Lynch. Uh, the first book, uh, probably the most well-known, is called The Lies of Locke Lamora. Uh, it's an excellent series. It's not yet complete, but the books are kind of uh, self-contained, so they they continue from one another. Uh, it's the same characters, and they develop over time. And they and it's kind of each story is kind of references to the previous occurrences, but each story is like completely self-contained. So the fact that the series is not done, it does not prevent you from enjoying all the books that already that are already out there. I know that uh, the fourth book is supposed to come out uh, next year. 
and uh, all in all, there are supposed to be seven books in the series. I'm really looking forward to it, and I highly recommend this series of books. They're really different than your standard fantasy genre, and uh, they're really excellent. So, so those are my picks for today. Okay, Murad, last but not least, what are your picks? Okay, so I have one pick. As Dan said, I think that with all the lockdown and uh, whatever going on, we're super stuck to the screen. One screen, big screen, small screen, huge screen. Screens are everywhere. And I try to put them back a bit and just sit down and read. And I just finished a great book. And I want to recommend it. Sorry that it's not about games or stuff like that. It's about marketing. Uh, it's by Seth Godin. It's called This is Marketing. You can't be seen until you learn to see. And I had so many aha moments reading that book that I think I'll read it again. So good. Really, it, it takes the word marketing and it, it explains it with so much logic pure logic and it was fun to read it even funny when it was funny and really if you're looking for a good book about marketing even if you're just a beginner or advanced or in between this is marketing by seth godding is a great book really i i enjoyed it so much i learned so much from it That's yeah a couple idea. episodes ago uh chuck was talking with his buddy mani vaya about starting a side hustle JavaScript Jabber episode 427. And they were talking about all kinds of books, you know, good to great and and so on. And I think that's one of the books they had mentioned about uh, that they really liked about uh, business yeah. and personal branding and so on. So amazing. So uh, let's let's we forget, Moad, can you give if people want to find you online, uh, what would be the best way? I think that it will be Twitter because I'm there and I'm active. I try to be active there. I even tweeted about about us now talking so if you want to go on and check it out you'll see it yeah i think twitter so what, is the best so what is it what is your twitter handle actually it's murad m-o-r-a-d and i gotta tell you that this account this it, it's a very unique twitter handle i joined twitter on 2007 or six something like that i think or eight And it's, it was a long time ago, like 12 hours, 12 years ago. And um, every Twitter handle, you know, it's, it's unique. And I choose Morad. And so many people try to take this handle from me, but I still uh, have it. So it's just Morad on Twitter. And for those of us that have accents like I do, that's M-O-R-A-D-S. No, it's no M-O-R-A-D-S. R-A-D. Oh, sorry. I was looking at the your handle here. Okay. So speaking of where to contact us, Dan, what about you? Where can people get a hold of you? Well, Twitter is a good place for me as well. Unfortunately, I couldn't grab Dan. That was uh, taken long before <laughs> I joined. Uh, so so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just Dan Shapiro on, on Twitter. That's uh, D-A-N-S-H-A-P-P-I-R, double P. No E, like AJ likes to say. And yeah, if anything that we discussed today or JavaScript or web performances in general interests you, hit me up on Twitter. And AJ, what about you? I am... I've got a split personality. 
I'm at Cool AJ86 in some places and at Solder JS in other places. I think it might be time for me to just go back to everything being Cool Age 86. It was a bad move. <clears throat> but it's such a cool name. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I thought that the problem was just that uh, sometimes people thought that the cool was self referential to like, I'm so cool. But originally it was just supposed to be like chill, like relaxed, which maybe doesn't describe me that well. So. <laughs> <laughs> But solder JS is a lot of people don't know that it's there's an L there or that solder refers to like soldering like soldering iron. So I don't know. I I think I think that was a, a poor a poor branding choice. I just got depressed one winter and I wanted to change things. It's bad. Should have <laughs> left it alone. All right. Yeah, I am Wonder95 everywhere, Twitter, uh, GitHub, uh, my own website, SMGA web.com so thank you Murad for coming for talking about branding it's been a pleasure having you and we will sign off for now and see you next time cool thank you bye 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 bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn deliver your content fast with cashfly visit c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y.com to learn more